0: Welcome to Bottoms on Top. I'm Prakash. And I'm Andreas. And we're happy to have you. Well, listeners, thanks for bearing with us in our one week off that we took. Things mm. were kind of hectic we're coming back from Thanksgiving, but we're here with a bigger, gayer episode for the last one.
1: She's Fat, P-H-A-T for you all. Baby
0: fat. (laughs) (laughs) Prakash, how are you today?
1: I've been okay. We were just talking about this. I've been like such a hermit these past few weeks, gearing up for finals and like, you know, doing the whole end of semester thing. There have been a few bright spots, though. I uh, went to this really cute, uh, they call it a cafe mila, and it's basically just like a South Asian queer space. Um, I went there with a good friend, Ronnie Iyer. Shout out to Rani. Um, and it was very cool. So like a bunch of like South Asian studies, like professors were there and there were like a few uh, people who like actually worked in like LGBTQ organizations around India. And this is like something that they would do like very often before the Supreme Court decriminalized like queerness in India. Um, and so they' were like, oh let's like bring it here and like use it to like promote this film that they had been working on but point being it was like my first time in like a very like South Asian queer space which I realize is not something that's very common at penn so this is something that I'm like mm, I want more of this so that's something that's been on my mind
0: that's beautiful I love to hear about those things because I think that sometimes especially if you're not a larger umbrella group, Mm -hmm. right? Like, getting deeper into it because, like, I guess you could say, like, oh, there's, like, a general QPOC space, right? right? But then there's just some nuances within your own identity and upbringing that... Yeah, I didn't realize,
1: like, how much I wanted, like, a place to just have chai and samosas with a bunch of, like, brown people who are also queer. Like, that's something that I apparently very much yearn
0: for. So here we are. Here we are. (laughs) And she got it. She got it. (laughs) That's that's beautiful. Um, So I too have been kind of hermiting mm. this past week and a half. It do be like that. It really be like that. I've been Mm. trying to think about. As a good friend says, (laughs) it really do be like that on this bitch of an earth. (laughs) (laughs) Period. (laughs)
1: Period.
0: (laughs) Yeah, but I think that. Even though I've been busy and focused on school and other things like that, one thing I never remove my focus from is Twitter. Mm, and, of course. <laughs> um, the crazy Into article that was posted about Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, I believe the article was titled... One moment. I have my receipts here.
1: We're, we're pulling out. These I think receipts. it was
0: something along the lines of Ariana Grande's Thank You Next is surprisingly uh, homophobic and yes. anti-queer and transphobic, something along those lines. Yes. Um, so,
1: Oh, yes. Ariana Grande's Thank You Next music video is surprisingly anti-queer.
0: Yeah. So this was an opinion piece posted in Into, um, and basically it was digging at Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, um, really stretching out some scenes as reading as anti-queer, saying there was transphobia um, with Chris Jenner. And Twitter didn't like it at all. Right. Twitter went crazy on it. So many people were retweeting, saying it was a reach, saying it was... Dumb, saying that this person was just looking for something to be mad about. Right. Um And Into actually later released the statement saying that they removed the article and that it did not re- its, reach its standard of journalism, which is true. Right. A, <laughs> period. A standard was not met. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't. And it also came out that the writer of the article had been accused of sexual assault multiple times. So the plot thickened but the art, the writer also was receiving death threats when their name was attached to it before so right.
1: i just think like with articles like this like i really want to like hear these voices and i want people to be able to have discussion about this but at the same time like i don't want tea where there's no tea to be had and i feel like doing that just like can really alienate people who are trying to actually have a real conversation about like transmisogyny and things like that. Like it just it, it, it paints it in the worst light.
0: Yeah, and not only like actually deflect attention from those conversations, but in deflecting that attention, the people who probably need to hear the most about, you know, um anti-queerness and transmisogyny and things like that. Are gonna read this and say, wow, these people are really talking about something stupid, versus right. reading something that's actually super nuanced and super analytical and actually makes points and it's disappointing.
1: And like the thing that we were just talking about and like thinking about is that Into actually has like a weirdly defined reach because it is under the same parent company as Grinders. So like I can imagine like all these like grinder mask for mask boys like stumbling on this into article and being like, mm, I'm just gonna keep my pronouns as dick only or something bs like that and i'm just like mm, no i want to have this conversation just not on this
0: like, Ugh, it's so weird but into does put out a lot of good content right, generally which is right i usually like reading it that's why i was really shocked that it was published yeah but we all make mistakes we don't we and i'll mistakes. still read into but we love ariana and the grammys love ariana also they do speaking of um the new nominations came out i think god is a woman was nominated for best single or video
1: it might have been it it's one or the other. I just I just remember being very excited that I saw Janelle Monet's album and her both being recognized as like yes. potential best album of the year. Beautiful.
0: Beautiful. God of a wo- God is a Woman, I'm sorry, was nominated for the best pop solo performance. Mm. But um Janelle Monet being nominated for Album of the Year, amazing. Deserved. It's a beautiful it's first of all, Dirty Computer is just a beautiful album, yeah. but it's also unapologetically about her sexuality. Right. Pink. Right. Screwed. Yes. Oh, yes. We love it. And Janelle Monae, I think that Janelle Monae has deserved so much from her first album.
1: Yeah. Nobody, nobody looked at Arc Android. Nobody lo- talked about that. And I was sitting here like, Ooh. like this hits home. And it's like, it's insane. Like it's her talking about like somehow tying in like the deep South and like being like, a black woman in the Deep South being raised there and, like, tying in, like, all these elements of, like, jazz and, like, old... And
0: Afrofuturism. Yes.
1: I'm, like, hello.
0: <laughs> it is great. And you know how I know that Janelle Monae has always been the greatest? Mm. Is that on um, Electric... Electric Lady is the album, yeah, right? Yeah, Solange's feature? Yes. You know Solange's you not know. just anybody's song.
1: And, like, Stevie Wonder and Prince were, like, good friends of hers and they were contributing to Dirty Computer. Like, this is... This is someone who is so avant-garde. And I'm we not, do not deserve her. We
0: don't. And I'm not shaming on people who just became fans after Dirty Computer. Right. I'm just saying that she's been great. And I hope that the Grammys nomination committee and the <laughs> awards people, I hope they're listening. They're listening. And they know <laughs> to pick her. Yes, I'm a little bit angry at all of you
1: for choosing Pharrell as producer of the year based on Man of the Woods. Of all albums. <laughs>
0: It's another reach. Another reach. It's the two weeks of reaching. <laughs> and in two weeks, it is the holidays.
1: Indeed. Yeah, so... We will be
0: journeying to new places. Yes, back to where we came from. Mm, <laughs> if you will. We'll be venturing back to Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> to Waxhaw, North Carolina. Beautiful. <laughs> um, and I think that the holidays is always such a difficult period for queer people in general, mm, just yes. because... I think even if your home is, like, really accepting and your parents, like, are really open to your identity, it's still just different than being away from home. You know, the space that you occupy is so much different at home. Right,
1: right. Like, being at a place like Penn for some of you, like, being in the communities that you're in, like, and then going back home, sometimes it's just such a culture shock because you're like, I have just, like, grown used to feeling able to talk about this or that, and I just am not when I'm at home.
0: Definitely. So, I just want to send out some good vibes. Some love. Yeah, some good holiday vibes, whether your family is great with you, whether your family relationship isn't that great. Try and enjoy the break and take some time for yourself.
1: We're here for you. And on that note, we're going to go ahead and transition later in the show you're going to hear from the producer and the director of the upcoming play Hedwig and the Angry Inch and then we're going to do a little bit of listener shoutouts and listener Q&A so you'll get to hear a little bit about yourselves you narcissistic little bitches <laughs> 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 Goodbye Whatever.
0: Welcome back listeners We're here with Bella Essex and Susanna Jaramillo, and we're going to talk about creating queer theater spaces, and in particular, the new play that they're working on, Hedwig. Welcome, y'all.
2: Hi. 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 We're excited to be on. (laughs) Very exciting.
0: Can you just identify your voices for the listeners first?
2: Sure. Hi, I'm Bella. And I'm Susanna.
1: Maybe we can start with just like a brief overview of Hedwig, what she is, what she's doing what the plot is, why why we're even here to talk about it in the first place. Yeah. Um, Suits, you can take
2: this. Yeah, I'm on it. Uh, so, <laughs> the full title of the show is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Um, it's by John Cameron Mitchell. It's um, like a 90-minute really wild rock musical um, about this um, rock and roll, they describe her as a rock and roll goddess. Um, she's from East Berlin, and um, basically the show is like her performing um, and like musing about her life and telling her story to this audience, um, and she's like a really interesting character because she was born in East Berlin. Um, she meets an American soldier, um, you know, when back when she was still male, um, and you know the two of them have a romance with each other. And this American soldier Luther proposes um, to her, and you know at they're going to get married but then he says they need to get married in East Berlin which requires full body examinations at the time because it's it takes like Mm -hmm. when this happens it's like Cold War um in Germany obviously and so um he basically him and Hedwig's mother force her into a sex change operation um and it gets botched in the process and so you know she it's there's like a lot of like interesting conversation to be had about that kind of, like, forced gender transition and, like, the implications of that, um, because that's kind of, like, a really complex part of the show that people don't necessarily know about, um, but so then she comes to the United States and, like, um, eventually meets this other man, a rock and roll guy who's just getting a start named Tommy, um, and they kind of pursue a relationship with each other. Um, And that also falls through because a lot of the show is about her also trying to find, like, her soulmate in a way. And Mm -hmm. um, this, like, concept of there being some sort of soulmate out there in the universe for someone to just, like, happen upon. Um, And in the performance, she just, like, sings all of these really wild, like, rock ballads and things. And she also is backed up by her husband, Mm -hmm. Yitzhak, Um, And so the author of the show really wanted to play around with just like gender and um, how like and queerness and the way that people identify. And so the um, Yitzhak is commonly played by is a woman um, in male drag. Um, And Yitzhak also wants to be a drag queen, but Hedwig won't let him because... He's better than she is at performance. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So So, so, what a queer, what a
1: queer little conundrum. (laughs) (laughs) So it's
2: like that whole thing, Um, and the and Hedwig is is usually played by um, a man in female drag, Um, and then Hedwig also plays Tommy. So there's like because she like has this whole thing, but that's kind of the general gist of the show. And there's you know a whole pit of like rock instruments, um, who also function as, like, the Angry Inch being, like, the backup band. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's just, like, a really fun, exciting musical.
1: God, that sounds so high energy. I'm so into, like, this whole thing. Um, The first thing that, like, kind of pops into my head that's really interesting to me is, like, thinking about, like, the relationship between, like, queerness and, like, like the punk and, like, the rock Mm -hmm. and, like, just, like, the tone of that whole play. Like, how do you... How do you feel about that? Like, is, is that part of the conversation that you're trying to have, do you think? Um, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, so. Definitely. We're definitely, like, we're, I think it's, for me, like, I think it's very important to have, like, the conversations about um, the various levels of, like, intersectionality within the show, mm-hmm. between, like, gender and queerness, and then, like, the punk element um, mm-hmm. of it, and like, just, like punk in general as, like, a genre and, like, a subculture Mm -hmm. um, is, like, really fascinating to me. And so we're doing, like, the whole show um, since we're with Intuiton's experimental theater company. And so we always, like, want to put, like, a a twist or something on the shows that we do. And so um, my, like, concept behind it was doing it as, like, a 1980s style, like, punk rock house show. Um, so it's like fully immersive. Yeah, yeah. to like yeah. really lean into like the punk elements of the Wait, show. Wait, I really love that. Yeah. this is also yeah.
1: like so topical. I feel like just thinking about like where Pai Lam is right now and like I know. just yeah. like yeah. where P- Pen's like quote unquote punk scene has like yeah. gone in right. the last yeah. year. Oh, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> yeah, <And> I, think, <laughs> I think
3: even the the kind of like punk culture surrounding that. There's I think it's always been a kind of subculture where there's a lot of like sexual fluidity mm-hmm. and freedom of expression mm-hmm. and I think it's really it, I think you're totally right it is really interesting to think of like how we situate that within the pen community right now because that Pylam I think was both a really like a kind of haven in a way for the folks who were part of that community but then also served a really important purpose for the pen queer community mm-hmm. just in terms of creating a space for those individuals and kind of figuring out our positionality within that now that we don't have that space anymore Mm -hmm. is really interesting.
0: Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Okay, so I want to shift gears a little bit. Sure. So um, I want to talk about casting. So Mm -hmm. it's so clear that there are so many queer characters in the play. How are you all working together to get queer cast in the show or get queer people involved Mm -hmm. in this Mm -hmm. super duper queer production yeah
3: so the cast it's an interesting one because there's a as we as seuss was kind of talking about it there's a lot of like um it does sound like there's a lot of queer people and like a lot of characters in the show the show is actually only really two characters of Hedvig and yitzhak and there's some like multi-rolling that goes involved but and then The Angry Inch, which is The Pit, which I think is really interesting in this musical because it plays such a almost like a central role as opposed to for so many other, like, both shows with music and musicals where The Pit is there as kind of, like, either a support system or as, like, a p- kind of part of, like, the set dressing. But then The Angry Inch really does, like, is a part of this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, it's, it was a sort of a thing that was, like, interesting for us in terms of trying to, like, do outreach and looking into who we could talk to and who we could get to come out to auditions and stuff like that. So yeah. that was definitely a process.
2: Yeah, like, we got in contact with um, Aaron in the LGBT Center to mm-hmm. try and get the word out about auditions um, and um, also, like... You know, at the outset, the rehearsal room itself is already very queer. Yeah. <laughs> and Bella and I obviously are queer. And then our music director, our, both of our stage managers. Yeah. Um, and so we really wanted to try and get as many individuals, like, engage o- as authentically as possible also. Because that's, like, something that we don't want it to feel as though, like, we're tokenizing, like, queer folks. Because... Like, for us, it's, like, the importance is, like, in the narrative of the show and, like, making sure that we have people who, like, care about the subject matter and can, like, help work to, like, represent it as truthfully as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, like, we have, like, tech interviews um, also, like, because that's kind of, like, the biggest way to get involved now with this production, just given how small the cast is. Mm -hmm. But we have, like, tech interviews this weekend that are um, on Sunday and Monday, and so, like, We are hoping that, like, through the outreach that we've done through, like, Mm -hmm. the LGBT Center um, and, like, various, like, other means of communication Mm -hmm. just, like, with people that we know and things like that that we will have, like, a good turnout of people to work on the show. Um, And, you know, we already know, like, some people are just already really excited to, like, work on it and we're very excited to work with them, so it should be pretty good.
3: Because it was the thing, we knew that, like, between the two of us, like, Like, I I won't speak for you, actually, but, like, myself, I, like, felt very connected with, like, certain queer communities at Penn, but not all. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, like, we had queer people in our lives who we, like, either knew were already interested in doing something like this or, like, might be interested... Um, but the thing, so the reason that we really wanted to try and have tech interviews, like, in the LGBT Center, which we are doing on Monday, was because it was, like, the idea that between, you know, the four of us who were going to be in, the like, the rehearsal room or the kind of people who have been involved, like, the idea that we'd be able to, like, get the word out to, you know, any and every queer person on campus who was interested is just, that's folly, like, the idea that we'd be able to just know, inherently know who everybody was. So um, I think it's also a thing where I think, the kind of theater community at Penn is honestly like surprisingly not particularly queer. Mm, Um, And it's the thing of, I think it's a really, really wonderful community with a lot of people who are very, very cognizant of their like positionality. And I think we knew that like, so say it was a sort of like standard text off that one would normally anticipate. It wasn't like we were going to have people who, you know, weren't sensitive or Uh want understanding, but just the idea that like we would want to be able to like, Create space for people who wanted to be a part of it as well, which I think it isn't always like super easy to feel like you're mm. able to do. So, yeah, and that was really important to us.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel that there's something to be said where you're in a space where everyone is like contributing to like a mutual vision that yeah. like a lot of them have had some related experience mm-hmm. to in some way. I see the I see the vision. <laughs> That's um, good. I'd fuck with
3: the vision. <laughs> 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 Same, honestly. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it just crossed my mind that we actually didn't get what your roles are like oh. on air. Like I in the <laughs> description, but um, yeah, didn't say yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what exactly are both of your roles in the play?
2: Yeah. So I am the director um, of the show, and,
3: and then I'm one of the co-producers.
0: So both of you sound so like experienced and seasoned and making productions <laughs> you know <laughs> like I mean it's very clear from the way that you speak and also like just some of the things that you've talked about already is there any challenge in producing this type of show that you haven't encountered before and whether it's one that you've kind of already tackled or one that you see might have that might happen in the future and what makes it so different
2: Um, I guess, like, so for me, I've directed a few shows here at Penn. Um, I think that this one is, um, I think that one of the challenges is, like, the show timeline that we have for it is Mm -hmm. quite short. Um, I mean, this musical's 90 minutes with no intermission, which is, like, crazy short for a musical, but we have, like, basically three weeks to, like, rehearse it before Mm -hmm. the show actually happens, and, like, you know, this show is very involved in, like, There's a lot of, like, emotional layers to the characters, and obviously, like, there's a lot of music, like, a lot of the show is just, like, song, like, song, piece of dialogue, song, song, like, and it just kind of, um, I think that it's gonna be an interesting challenge, because I haven't had to do something on, like, something that is, like, close to a full-length show in such a short timeline, And, like, making sure that we can still, like, put all of the effort into, like, making sure that the characters are well fleshed out and that the actors know exactly what they're doing in terms of, like, what the motivations are and things like that. Um, Because for me, like, character work is one of the most important things that Mm -hmm. I like to do with actors because it gives people the opportunity to kind of, like, reflect on what they're actually doing and the words Mm -hmm. that they're saying rather than just, like – because anyone can just, like, get up there and just, like – be like, oh, I'm performing this thing without really understanding. And especially in a show like this, where there are so many, you know, nuances to the characters and, like, the relationship between, like, Hedwig and Yitzhak is such, like, an interesting dynamic. Um, It's very, like, it's going to be really important to me to make sure that the actors, like, can really think about that and, like, create these characters in a way that, you know, works well for the show and in a way where their relationship, like the underlying tension and all of that, like, actually comes through, um, and so I think that'll be interesting, and also, like, doing it off campus, like, not in a traditional theater space, um, which is, like, we're basically trying to do it, like, in a basement, like, as, like, a, like, a house show, um, and so that's gonna pose some interesting challenges because, like, I've only really gotten to work in, like, traditional theater spaces, Um, Like, we Intuitons has done things off-campus, but, like, for me, I've always done just, like, the props design or, like, stage management and haven't, like, been particularly as, like, hands-on in our off-campus stuff. Um, So being able to, like, coordinate all of how it works off-campus is going to be an interesting thing Mm -hmm. because it's not the same as, like, being in a traditional theater space where, like, it's just like, okay, like, everything's already here. It's like we have to bring everything there Mm -hmm. and, like, set everything up and... um, you know do a lot of that on our own rather than with the like aid of like an actual space
3: yeah I would say like for me it's just the thing that really attracted me to the show right from the beginning when Susanna first proposed it to us was the fact that it is so unapologetically queer Mm -hmm. and I think that that's something that you know theater at Penn doesn't shy away from queer narratives I think there are definitely like plays that have had gay characters they tackle tough issues but I think it has always been – and I don't think there's anything wrong with this, but it's always been a sort of a, – a kind of part of a narrative, like the kind of like discovery of sexuality or discovery of identity or discovery of an illness is always part of a narrative as opposed to – I feel like with Hedwig, something that's really interesting is that throughout all of these layers, that's – it, you know, it is a part of the show, but I think the bigger kind of part of it is just that it it just it it is queer in its presentation, and that's not really something that is a, so much a part of the narrative. And like feeling really strongly that like we want to pr- portray that well mm-hmm. and get, have it portrayed in a way that is authentic and um and also respectful. I think that, you know, yeah. Seuss was talking about the nuances of these interpersonal relationships, and I think that something that matters a lot to me is making sure that we, treat them with the kind of, um, I guess, I guess respect, but also like recognize them as complex and complicated mm-hmm. and not straightforward. And I think it's also something that's like, it's a queer relationship that isn't necessarily like, it's not not celebrated, but it's also not, it's definitely not totally healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're um, like
2: a very like codependent, like not super great relationship and like yeah. semi abusive in certain mm-hmm. ways.
0: Yeah. Well, that all sounds wonderful. And when can our listeners buy tickets? and when can they see the show?
3: So um tickets will typically tickets t- t- <t->. <laughs> <laughs> t- t- <laughs> typically go on sale like in either the week before or week of the show. The show is going to be on the second weekend of February. Um, so somewhere around the seventeenth, ninth, um we'll be on the walk. You can just talk to people. um, but, you know, excuse myself and Susanna and all the other people as part of the production who are very involved who like become hermits for those first three weeks or so. Yeah. <laughs> um uh and yeah if anyone wants to get involved at all, um, just in the production as a whole, like these productions cannot happen without a production staff. And that's I think something that like people almost, we almost like lose sight of a little bit is that you watch the actors on stage and watch the performance, but like production staff is such a hugely important mm-hmm. part of it. So if you people if folks are interested in doing that. We'll be in the Platt lobby tomorrow night from <laughs> seven to eleven, and then in the LGBT center from six to ten on Monday. Yeah. If they want to come and chat to us about mm. what that might look like,
2: and you don't need any prior experience to get involved yeah. in that aspect, which is really wonderful.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Well, thank you both so so much for yeah. joining us this afternoon. Thank you so much for having,
3: thank us. You for having us. Of
0: course, I'm looking forward to the play. <laughs> Kisses. Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: Bye. Whatever. <laughs>
0: Well, listeners, as we mentioned, this is our final episode of Season 5. It's been a wonderful season. We've had so many changes, and we've had fun with it, and we're so happy that y'all are still on the ride with us. But to close out the season, we decided to do something a little bit special, and we wanted to do some user submission not user submissions, some (laughs) listener submissions, (laughs) and basically um, source some questions, stories, and shout-outs that y'all have for us. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're going to dive into it. Let's dive right in. Do you want to start with the questions? Let's start with some questions. Okay. What cartoon character sparked your sexual awakening? <laughs> <laughs> I hear there's like a lot of talk of this on Twitter.
1: Yeah, I am wow. I'm actually like not prepared for this. Um, but I will say that I think there's like a whole plot where like Waluigi and what's the other one? Wario, Wario, are like gay lovers, and I think that is something that like when I learned, I shipped that like crazy. (laughs) Like I was like, I want to see like a journey where like Waluigi has to like find Wario somewhere. (laughs) I love how they had to like make a gay version of like Mario and Luigi, and I'm just like, I don't know. Mario and Luigi could like, like they probably get it. Oh my god, that's on record. That's on record. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely Aang. I was definitely into Zuko. Like, Oh,
0: yes. Like, I was so hot for Zuko. Um, Danny Phantom. Danny Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> I love Danny Phantom. A whole snack. Wow. <laughs> definitely one of my sexual awakenings. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so this question is a little longer. So a good friend of the podcast, Brittany Bing, submitted this question. People always love to complain about Penn's shortcomings. Let's talk about something positive for a change. That being said, what are your favorite things about this school? <laughs> um. <laughs> well, I think Brittany definitely makes a point. And you know what? I think that the point... Like, I agree, yes. She makes a point. And the best thing about this question is that... Sometimes we don't forget that things may be good. It's true. It's true.
1: I I definitely think that a lot of the spaces on Penn's campus are very special. Like, I appreciate the Kelly Writers House, like, quite a a great deal. Um, And the fact that, like, a place like Philo can exist, like, this aberration on the fourth floor of College Hall. That's pretty cool. Um, Yeah. So I think Penn has a knack for just, like, somehow leaving certain spaces just, like, as they want to be. We love that.
0: I also think that that's so important and something really special about Penn. Mm-hmm. Something that I like the best about Penn is my go-to answer. <laughs> I just love a lot of the people that I know here, and I like, love the people. Yeah, but more more so the way that it's kind of similar to your yeah. point about spaces. Yeah, that the people that I really love here are a little bit outside of this mainstream, like. Pen, Locust Walk, Bustle. And right. Really they're not one of those that. girls. Yeah, know. they're not one of those girls. They don't sit in front of Frontera. <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And I love how there's like still a space for that and mm-hmm. still yeah. great people around me that I vibe with. They exist. <laughs> so we had a submission from former podcast hosts, John and Ian. And they claim that our last Fuck Mary Kill, which was John, Ian, and myself was weak. Mm. They said it was a cop-out. So they would like us to do a fuck, marry, kill of just them two, yes. and we can distribute the fuck, marry, or kill however we'd like amongst the two of them.
1: Okay, I've been thinking about this. Um, I feel like I would marry Ian, um, and I'm going to distribute that singularly to Ian, because I know he did a lot here for the queer community, and I'm just like, mm. We have a we have a hubby who does things, <laughs> um, and then I would fuck and kill John. House.
0: <laughs> wow, Woo! <laughs> crazy! <laughs> Woo, she country girls make do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I think that I would, I think that I would potentially do the opposite. Oh, so maybe I would, I would fuck Ian, and then I'd marry john and perhaps also kill john yeah okay okay <laughs> i think maybe i do that and i love john but you know i don't know if that marriage would work out and i'm not the bitch who's gonna go so that's one answer. of us is going to end up in the ground and it's not gonna be me period <laughs> that being said we love them both we love them both and it- this game won't change any of our relationships. <laughs> but to repeat. In terms of
1: another question, maybe what's an idea that you have but nobody else would agree
0: with you about? <laughs> an idea that I have that no one else would agree with me. One controversial opinion that I have, oh, I have that has been I've been dragged for many times is I find Richard Nixon and his life so interesting. <laughs> 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 like, there were a
1: lot of things that could have come out of your mouth after Richard Nixon, and that was not the one I was thinking about. I, and
0: I'm gonna take a minute to defend myself. I just think that Nixon's life is like crazy. And yeah. when you read about the things he did in the White House behind the scenes, it's even more crazy. Yeah. Um so with that being said, I feel some sort of attachment to this former president. Mm. It, not really, I don't know if it's good. Or if it's bad, but it's just a weird attachment. Yes. Um, but yes. what am I to do when all my faves are problematic? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have two for you.
1: One, nut milks are milks, and nobody can tell me that they're not. There's this whole debate that the only true milks are cows, goats, and others. Well, they're more like
0: beverages.
1: And I'm just sitting here like, mm, nut milks are milks. But- They
0: have been milks for a long time. We're not going to... We we can't do this. Trader Joe's has almond beverage, soy beverage. Like, they're not like milk. But
1: the thing about the law is that it's determined by the FDA, which is a group of white people, and nut milks have been called milks by other cultures for a long time, and... Milks, in general, are considered to be extracts from protein-bearing foods, not necessarily just from living organisms. Good night. Second... (laughs)
0: So, I see we feel strongly about two different
1: things. Yes. (laughs) Wait, I really wanted to say this one because I've been thinking about this a lot this week.
0: (laughs) I'm so happy that you put your thoughts out
1: there. Yeah. No, I really... Wanted to say that I think Dan on Gossip Girl is one of the worst people who has ever existed. I absolutely hate him. He is trash.
0: Oh Goodbye. my god! This is a sound off, Wendy Williams. <laughs> <Thomas. Yes. laughs> this is it. <laughs> I came for you. <laughs> wow. Period. <laughs> um. Okay. So, first shout out I want to address is a longtime friend of the podcast mm-hmm. and avid listener, Sage Orvis. Sage says, this podcast is the only good thing about pen. Oh. Love you, Sage. Much love. Sending good vibes to Sage. (laughs) (laughs) The next
1: shout out we have is from Caroline Bourneuf. (laughs) I'm sorry if that's not actually how you say your name, but I really wanted to say it that way. Um shout out to the girls that got pregnant just so that they could be on 16 and pregnant.
0: We stand with you on that one. We love it. <laughs> that was a good show. That was a good show. Great. I feel like that show had all suburban moms kind of shook cuz they were like my daughter will be 16 and pregnant. Right. Now. No, it was just like it defined the 90s fear of pregnancy. It did. And it made money. Good job. Good job, MTV. We have an anonymous shout out from, well, an anonymous shout out from Anonymous. From Anonymous. Yes. To Philo and Prakash. Oh. Hearts. Hearts. Ooh. <laughs>
1: we love it. We love it. And one final shout out from a longtime friend of the podcast, Brittany Bing. Shout out to Tinder for always being there when I need to find a warm body to sleep next to. Hashtag cuffing season. We stand. We stand some warmth. <laughs>
0: We stand copying season. Who needs that Swiss Miss with marshmallows when you got Tinder? <laughs> when you have Tinder. All right. Well, that wraps up our little Q and A uh, and listener submission period. Thanks for participating, everyone who submitted things. Thank you to our listeners who have been with Bottoms on Top since we started. We love you so much. And if you just started listening today, we love you just as much. This is one of my favorite things that I do on campus. I would also like to
1: say a few words as we sign off for the semester. Uh, I'd just like to thank everyone who has been listening and who has joined us this semester uh, for letting me step in here, step into the Kelly Writer's House studio and take up the mic. I have enjoyed it greatly. It has become one of my favorite activities over the past semester, and I can't wait to keep working with you all.
0: And that's the that on that. We'll see everyone in the new year. Have a happy holidays. <laughs> <Mwah>. <laughs> thank you for listening to Bottoms on Top with myself, Andreas Pavlou. And me, Prakash Mishra. We'd like to thank our podcast producer, Ali Johnson. Our editor and executive creative consultant, Sammy and Gordon. Wexler get- Recording Studio in the and Kelly Writers House. Julia Score, who made our cover art. Andrew Ellis, who created our theme song. Whatever. Find him on SoundCloud at Dummy Fresh. We love y'all.